Hello, listeners, and uh, welcome back to episode 55 of Under Further Review with Burke and Jen. I'm Burke. I'm Jen. Uh, and I know it's been yet another long hiatus, but we're, as has been pointed out to us repeatedly by uh, listener Ashish from Canada, um, but we're happy to be back with you today and um, have a bunch of, I think, pretty interesting stories to discuss. That's right. Um, so our first one is one that's probably near and dear to your heart, Burke. <laughs> Uh, is the alleged assassination attempt on Big Poppy. Yeah, so I'm a big fan of um, the podcast My Favorite Murder, <laughs> and had this been completed, it would have been my least favorite murder uh, because David Ortiz, Big Poppy, fan favorite, brought uh, the first World Series home to Boston after an 86-year drought, was shot and nearly killed in the Dominican Republic, all because of his very hideous <laughs> white pants. And uh, you may ask why, what that's all about. We'll explain. Hang in there with us, <laughs> listeners. That's right. So uh, David Ortiz was sitting at a restaurant, probably out on the like the outdoor seating section. Let's set the scene yes. for you. <laughs> probably one sultry evening in the Dominican Republic, and he was having drinks with friends. Yes. Uh, one friend in particular, a fellow by the name of... Sixto David Fernandez, and apologies if we did not pronounce, or if I did not pronounce that correctly. I definitely listened to uh, the pronunciation guide on YouTube, and that's what it told me. But anyway, he was sitting there drinking uh, cocktails with his buddy, um, wearing very loud shirts, and apparently David Ortiz had white pants on. Right, and a a gunman on the back of a scooter. Uh, drove by and shot both uh, Mr. Ortiz. I don't know if Mr. Fernandez was hit, but I know that one of the bullets that passed through Mr. Ortiz hit another person sitting at that table. Um, and then uh, Big Poppy was rushed to the hospital. People were like, oh my God, someone tried to kill Big Poppy. They were eventually able to arrest the fleeing uh, assailant and the getaway scooter driver. And then the roundup started happening. Right. So in subsequent weeks, the um, authorities in the Dominican Republic have identified 11, or excuse me, have detained 11 suspects, including the alleged gunman, a guy by the name of Rolfi Ferreira Cruz. Um, he has a warrant out in New Jersey on weapons and robbery charges. He uh, has been videotaped shouting out like his story from uh from a jail cell in the dominican republic and he explained that he didn't mean to shoot mr ortiz he was trying to shoot mr fernandez um and then he got confused because he was told that the person he was supposed to kill would be wearing white pants apparently fernandez didn't have white pants on big poppy did and then right. big poppy got shot in the gut yeah so not good. No. Um, so he was taken to the hospital in the Dominican Republic. Once he was stabilized, they were able to move him to a hospital in Boston um, where his wife says that he's in good condition. Uh, but as far as I'm aware, he has not been released from the hospital yet, which correct seems bad, um, even though Massachusetts has some of the best hospitals in the country. Uh, it feels like the longer you stay in there, the worst signals are that's um, right but he is out of intensive care now so that's promising yes and so the most recent development is that the alleged mastermind and the financier behind big poppy shooting has, have been arrested in the dominican republic so apparently uh victor hugo gomez he is the person who planned this hit gone wrong <laughs> um he and uh 
What's the other person's name? Is it Mota, whose last name is Mr. Yes. Mota, who is the money behind the the operation? Mr. Mota paid seventy eight hundred dollars um, to for this hit, which to me seems like very little money for the really bad consequences of being caught. Right, and the reason that they had a hit out on Sixto Fernandez was that um, he is Victor Gomez's cousin and apparently turned him um, in or turned on him. I'm not sure if he actively sought out the police, but anyway, he was basically a snitch in a narcotics investigation that happened a few years back. Um, and so accordingly, Mr. Gomez decided he had to get got and uh, ended up having... David Ortiz shot instead. Yes, a national goddamn hero. <laughs> Everybody loves him, except for Yankees fans. But I feel like Yankees fans kind of, I mean, they didn't want him to win, but, you know, much like the way some Red Sox fans deal with Derek Jeter, you know, have respect for him as a baseball player. Or Mariano Rivera. Sure. Right, yeah. It's a better example. Um, so he, they've, the Dominican authorities say that um, Gomez has ties to the Gulf cartel, um, in Mexico and that he's been living in the United States for a lot of the suspects that were um, sort of rounded up in the David Ortiz shooting. Um, it seems like many of them have warrants out for their arrest or uh, in the process of being charged for crimes committed in the United States, mm -hmm. um, which is not to say just because somebody's being charged doesn't mean they're guilty, but it does feel like this is a troubled crew of characters uh, that all got tied up in this Ortiz shooting. I forgot to mention that the getaway driver, uh, Mr. Garcia, stalled out his motorcycle as he attempted to get away, and that's when a crowd descended upon them and started pummeling him before the police got there. Oh, that sounds like a real Night Stalker situation. <laughs> so, yeah, street justice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because you don't go around shooting Big Poppy. that's not okay. No, and apparently Mr. Gomez feels real bad that he shot Big Poppy. He's been quoted as saying, um, I would never do something like this. Uh, he actually didn't even want to really kill Fernandez, but he certainly did not want to kill Big Poppy. <laughs> um, so now um, 12 people have been arrested, and uh, we'll see what the DR does with them. Um, but yeah, the, hopefully the shooting happened on June 9th, so it's been just about three weeks. Um, sending sending prayers to Big Poppy, not thoughts and prayers because those are useless, but you know... Uh, <laughs> hoping that he has a full recovery and is um, getting the medical care that he needs. Right, and that the uh, perpetrators of this heinous yet cheap crime are going to be dispensed with. Yeah. Although I sort of feel like the Dominican Republic has a lot going on right now. Right. Um, they're, yeah, poisoned alcohol and whatnot. Uh, it's, it's not a good time for the DR, so hopefully hopefully things will turn around for, for them as yes. well, in general. <laughs> Um, so moving on to our next story that's not full of as many salacious details is the lawsuit filed by Zion Williamson against, uh, I think it's Prime, um, what is the name? Prime Sports and the countersuit that Prime Sports has filed against Zion Williamson. Uh, long story short, uh, Zion Williamson was a very, very popular and successful by many measures uh, freshman standout at Duke, and even though Duke did not win the um, NCAA this year, Zion was projected very early on to probably go number one in the draft, which he did um, just a couple of weeks ago, the New Orleans Pelicans. Um, at some point during the season, I think, uh, 
Zion Williamson said that he was going to forgo the rest of his eligibility and enter the NBA draft. This may or may not have happened after the shoe blowout, or it could have happened later after, you know, upon reflection after the tournament, Mm -hmm. who really knows. Um, But he signed with Prime Sports Marketing LLC um, for basically trying to test the waters and then go out and engage in negotiations for Zion Williamson's endorsement deals, right? Like right. all of the product placements, all of the endorsements. Um, he signed a contract with them and then shortly thereafter tried to um, renege on the contract by saying that the contract, which he signed in North Carolina, uh, Prime Sports is located in Florida, the contract that he signed did not have two very key provisions of North Carolina law that essentially protect student athletes. Um, that there needed to be a window period in which the uh, athlete could essentially back away from the initial signature, you know, after probably conferring with attorneys or other guardians um, in his life. Um, But the contract, uh, Prime Sports says, was completely valid, Uh, didn't need to include provisions of North Carolina law. It's It's a Florida company. Um, and they think that the reason why Zion Williamson wants to back out of this contract is because he subsequently signed with a CAA to negotiate his employment agreement with the Pelicans and then uh, thereafter for any endorsement or marketing opportunities. Um, CAA is you know, undoubtedly probably one of the most powerful sports entertainment um, management agencies in the world. So Prime Sports thinks that CAA is behind this um, and wants the full cut of the money that um, Mr. Williamson would get from any of these endorsement deals. Yeah, um, I mean, that pretty much sums (laughs) it up. Um, I think what's interesting is that the sort of the two arguments, well, first of all, for law nerds out there, this is a very, um, I think, interesting case of forum shopping. I'm trying to figure out like what law is going to apply to mm-hmm. this dispute and how um, how that'll all be settled. So what's important to I think keep in mind is Zion filed his lawsuit first in North Car- in federal court in North Carolina for Ms. Uh, Gina Ford, who runs Prime Sports, subsequently I guess countersued him in state court in Florida. Um, she is of the view that Florida law, because it doesn't have these built-in protections for student athletes, is going to be more favorable to her. She has tried to frame this as Zion Williamson, uh, you know, how old is he, 19? Yeah. You know, a 19-year-old, very sophisticated person with, you know, tremendous business acumen. And I'm not saying that with a tone to kind of uh, disparage Zion Williamson, but like at the end of the day, he's a kid. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, she's in a very experienced, um, negotiator, um, negotiator marketing, uh, expert. I, I have a hard time believing that his business acumen matches hers. Um, now an int- another interesting point though, is that Zion was not alone in all in this whole process. Um, he was, uh, his mom and his stepfather who happened to be a former, happens to be a former college basketball player were also involved. And I'd be interested to see, I think Ford and prime sports are going to make an issue of setting aside whatever, whether Zion knew what he was getting himself into. Um, his family and his advisor certainly understood what he was signing and should be held 
to the contract because under the terms of the contract, it can only be voided for just for cause, um, which basically means she had to have done something very, very wrong in order to get out of the contract, which she's arguing cause doesn't exist, so they can't void it. Right. And Zion Williamson, on the other hand, is arguing that the provisions that are meant to protect student athletes, uh, the Uniform Athlete mm -hmm. Agent Act in North Carolina, key provisions of that weren't included in the contract. So that would actually be grounds to void it because it wasn't signed with, you know, the necessary rights that he would be entitled to. Um, similarly, there is a there's an Older Workers Benefits Protection Act um, for it's a federal act uh, federal law that protects people over forty from inadvertently waving away their rights Age discrimination yeah claims it, essentially. Other. Yeah. Right, without having the ability to either seek counsel or if they feel pressured into signing something, there's like a seven-day waiver period after that in which they can revoke their signature. Um, and they actually, by law, are provided 21 days to consider whatever document they're mm -hmm. signing before they, they're required to sign it or they can you know, not sign it. Um, so these are similar provisions under the Uniform Athlete Agent Act in North Carolina. So... Um, I would say that if I had someone over 40 sign a settlement release or something without the protective language, that entire agreement would be void, which is oh, right. Williamson's point. And, she, and uh, Gina Ford is arguing by the terms of the contract, it is governed by Florida law. Her company exists in Florida. Mm -hmm. Florida doesn't offer these protections. So too bad, Zion. Um, but I think the Williamson is... Obvious, somewhat obviously making the argument that he still gets the benefit of this since a lot of their discussions occurred in the state of North Carolina. Mm -hmm. He's a student athlete in North Carolina. They will certainly make the argument, like when you're talking about forum shopping, and now I'm having flashbacks to law school, <laughs> you know, they or not so much forum shopping, but kind of a conflict of laws question and what state's law applies. They will look to, you know, does the state have a... Um, uh, an interest, an interest, like the what's the weight of the state's interest in having its law apply here? And I would think they would have a pretty good argument, despite the fact that the contract says it's governed by Florida law, to say that North Carolina has a pretty significant interest in making sure that athletes in the state of North Carolina are protected. That's why it put this law into place. Gina Ford. It was no secret that he was playing at Duke. She was negotiating with him when he was in North Carolina. Shame on her for not mm -hmm. taking a look at the, um, the the statute and making sure that her contract complied with that. Um, and I guess the question is, like, what was the downside for her if she had just included the stupid language? Then she would have, I guess he could have backed out. It would have given him the, the, the walkaway rights. Um but it's not like that. those go on forever. Um, That's true, because I think there was only like a five-day revocation period. Yeah. So, you know, part of this hinges on when he signed the agreement with Prime Sports, and then the other piece of it hinges on when did he renounce his student-athlete protection, right? Because right. essentially her argument, I believe, is, well, he at some point said either out loud to an attorney, to media, to Coach K, to his friends, to his friends, <laughs> alone in his room at night. I don't know. I'm not going to back the voices to in his head. <laughs> Who right. knows? <laughs> I'm not going back to Duke. I'm foregoing the rest of my eligibility. I'm going pro. 
Yeah. And so the minute that he did that, he renounced whatever protections he had under this um, this act. Except not quite, right. <laughs> which is interesting. So the NCAA, which I think we've talked about in prior um, episodes, is not known for really making things easier for student athletes to um, either to make money while they are um, amateurs or you know take advantage of the the income that their identities or their their work mm -hmm. brings in to the universities but in one way that they have attempted to kind of loosen up regulations on student athletes is to allow um, at least with basketball players they can sign with an agent who is licensed by the National Basketball Players Association that effectively becomes like a NCAA licensee as well. Um, they can sign with that with such an with a licensed agent, and then have that agent kind of do some exploring on their behalf to figure out is it does it make sense for me to go into the draft this year? If they are hearing from teams, no, we're not going to draft you. you. You know, you'll go late second round. Give it another year, and we'll see what's going to happen right. next year. Then the kid could walk away and say like, okay, it's been within thirty days of signing the their agreement with the licensed agent, they could walk away and return to school like nothing happened. Um, here, Gina Ford is not a licensed agent. She's not an agent at all. Right. She does marketing work. Her position is Zion always knew he was going to have to get a separate agent to negotiate his employment contract with the NBA. That was never her job. Her job was to explore endorsement opportunities. Um, and so I think that's part of her argument that like he knew what he was getting himself into. I never, I being Gina Ford, never kind of put myself out there as an agent mm -hmm. and by signing with me, as opposed to signing with a licensed agent, by signing that contract, he gave up his right to ever go back to Duke. And so making an argument that somehow he was, um, uh, that right was taken away from him is kind of specious. Right. Um, also, he was never going to go back. Like, regardless of whether he said it out loud to somebody, just thought it in his head, and his iPhone heard him, which I feel like is something that happens with our phones. But that's a separate podcast. Um, that's the tinfoil hat podcast right. that we have. I mean, everybody who who thought he was ever going to go back, especially after the shoe after shoe exploded. Um, so, right. Anyway, that was so. That's. Um, that's the fight that's going on in, in two courts down south. Um, Michael McCann, the really excellent SI, Sports Illustrated uh, legal analyst, um, I tend to agree with him. He suspects this is going to end in some kind of settlement. Oh, yeah. Um, because nobody wants this following. Gina Ford can get her money. Mm -hmm. um, Not the $100 million that she's countersuing for, but no. some portion of that. And we were talking about, like, how the hell did this woman come up with $100 million? Um, I will admit I have not read the 88-page complaint that, um, let me find all of the claims that she makes in it because it's there are so many of them. Um, she is accusing, so Zion, I believe his mom and his stepdad and his two agents at CAA, and then I think CAA is a corporation, for breach of contract, breach of the implied duty of good faith and fair dealing, fraud, tortious interference with a contract, civil conspiracy, unjust enforcement, misappropriation, and violation of the Florida Uniform Trade Secrets Act, which I think is... So Gina Ford says she did a lot of negotiations on Zion's behalf before um, CAA swooped in and stole him away from her. 
uh, and she has included as an exhibit to her complaint an email from um, folks at E, I believe it was EA Sports. All right, so take a step back. She says that she has negotiated on Zion's behalf with Puma, Activision Publishing, um, which produces the Call of Duty video game, EA Sports, which produces NBA, the NBA Live video game, 2K Sports, which produces the NBA 2K video game, General Mills, home oh, of Wheaties, Wheaties. <laughs> uh, Beats by Dre, Chase Bank, HarperCollins, Monster Hydro, Burger King, Mercedes-Benz, T-Mobile, Kraft Heinz, Powerade, and BioSteel. Um, and she's she, been very busy. Yeah, and so she insists that she had, she was told repeatedly by Williamson and his family, like, yeah, we're getting a, you know, we're going to get him an agent, but we're sticking with you through, um, for endorsements, other marketing opportunities. Um, but they understood that she, that's that was her job. Somebody mm -hmm. else is going to do his employment contract. Um, and she's asserting things like Mike Krzyzewski is represented by CAA. So they use this kind of backdoor way to get to Zion. Um, and that Williamson signed with uh, CAA on May 30th, which assuming he had not violated any other requirements of the NCAA rules about kind of revoking his contract with an agent and coming back to Duke, May 30th would have been the last, the day after the end of his revocation period. Mm. So I'm not sure, I'm not entirely sure why that's relevant. Um, Cause it seems like the contract he signed with Gina Ford and prime sports would have uh, ended his eligibility to play at Duke anyway. Right. So it's, um, a bit confusing, but all this is to say one exhibit that um, Gina Ford included in her complaint was an email from a woman named Marcy Gales at EA Entertainment, so video game producer, uh, that said as follows, hello Gina, I hope this finds you well. The representative we work with regularly at CAA called to let us know that they have exclusive marketing rights with Zion. Due to this, we are kindly rescinding the offer we made through you on May 13th, 2019, and will forward an offer to the CAA representative. We will let CAA know that the offer was originally sent to you and that we have formally rescinded this. I want to thank you for all of your efforts, excuse me, and the discussion that you've had with Zion on our behalf. We're hopeful that we'll be working with him this year. <laughs> uh, should you have any questions, please let me know. Best Marcy, which seems to indicate that like she had done all this legwork and That's gotten right. the, a deal negotiated and then CAA just stole it from her. Um, so at the very least, it feels like she should be getting a cut of that deal. Um, right. If she did all the lead up work, because uh, as I think maybe I can speak to a little more, but both Genevieve and I can speak to um, negotiations is fucking hard. <laughs> and <laughs> You should get your money for that. Otherwise, I do. I think we were discussing this before we started recording. It does feel like they are putting a lot of um, business expertise on. She's assuming a lot of expertise and knowledge by Zion Williamson that I'm not sure it's fair to put on a 19 year old. Right. right. Um, um, and I think yeah. we were talking about how she might have arrived at this hundred million dollar number, which right. is either a the, um, the the total value of the EA Sports contract or those contracts that she had been sort of already negotiating on yeah. his behalf, or the idea that Zion Williamson could be worth a billion dollars in endorsements someday soon, and ten percent of that, that is a hundred million dollars. Right. 
Um, so I would anticipate nobody wants this. It's not, I don't think it's in her interest either to let this go on for all that long, regardless right. of how much money she's going to make. So presumably she will work out a, uh, they will work out some kind of settlement and this will all go away. It'd be interesting to note, um, maybe as it sort of unfolds through the discovery process, like how many former North Carolina students she signed up for. Oh yeah. Um, this particular endorsement marketing service yeah. and whether or not any of those contracts are included this in, like those provisions. Yeah. yeah. Um, because the two, her, I think her biggest name client, at least based on the news stories I read is Usain Bolt. Um, I also read that she represented Kevin Durant's mom in negotiations of, so there was a, she had a, Mrs. Durant um, had a made-for-TV movie done about her on the Lifetime Network, oh. and I think Gina Ford helped her through that process. <laughs> Interesting. Um, just a side note on the NCAA. This was a story, I think like last week or something, but there's legislation moving through California that would um, pay student-athletes for the use of their likeness. So in any video game, poster, anything that generates income, student athletes would be able to get a cut of that money. Um, the NCAA, in, in its infinite wisdom, its position when this sort of became known was, fine, California schools will no longer be able to compete in any of our athletic events, like championships, what have you. Great, they're going to knock out <laughs> UCLA and USC. Stanford. Stanford, ugh. Yeah, so, um, so, you know, I think Burke said something earlier probably quite facetiously about the NCAA being uh, very concerned with um, their student athletes. And I just wanted to mention that that was happening. I mean, I don't think the California legislation, even if it passes, and I don't remember if it did or not, wouldn't go into effect until 2023 anyways. So there's a lot of time between now and then for like the two parties to posture. But um, I don't, I mean, for California, it would be a win-win because student athletes would want to come to California to play because right. they know that if they were actually halfway decent and they ended yeah. up in a college football Madden game, yeah. that they'd get money for that. Um, and, you know, I mean, the I think the idea that, like, these are amateurs and, you know, they get an education and that's benefit enough, I mean, it's bullshit uh, to be kind. Um, but, you know, like, if you want to be freaking paternalistic about it take the money and say we're putting it in a trust for you you can't get access to it until, until you, you're 25 i yeah, mean whatever or when, the day you graduate or something yeah something like that that basically it's like these not that these kids are i mean i personally wouldn't have a problem with them getting paid now i do think you hear um you know really challenging stories about kids who don't they don't come from a lot of money right. this is a way that you know they're wonderful athletes it's a way for them to pay to go to college but then you know like they can't afford to fly home they can't i mean i know this is a uh from a long time ago but the story of keith van horn who played for the university of utah under rick majerus his dad died and he couldn't afford a suit to wear to the funeral and so mm -hmm. rick majerus bought him a suit and he got in trouble yeah. like that's insane um well, the idea that like they're putting in so many hours to practice right. that they can't hold a job. Yeah. Like you can't even work part time in a library or something just to earn pizza money. Like, yeah. That all college kids do. And that's the part that is like so incredibly vexing. Like the idea that these rules are so stringently and s blindly applied for. Right. Yeah. I mean, you're going to ding Rick Majerus for having like a heart and empathy. Yeah. Oh, that's and they also. 
I don't, I mean, I'm sure there are some and probably for athletic, for, sorry, for sports that aren't the huge money makers. Right. So, you know, for rowing, yeah, um, badminton, whatever, <laughs> right. um, you know, those, those students certainly are, you know, the, the uh, being an athlete is kind of a means to, to an end of getting a degree and being able, like, they're not going to become a professional rower necessarily, right. but, you know, they're going to get a degree from a good university, not go into an obscene amount of student debt, as mm-hmm. was a topic in the news um, nowadays. But for, you know, particularly, I think, basketball and football players, um, it's not like anybody gives a shit about their academics. So, like, no. that's, it's, uh, it's a farce. Um, even, I think, at the best schools... It's, you know, there was a scandal at Duke. Again, this was years ago, back when I was a much bigger college basketball fan. But I think it was Jeff Capel, who is now a, I believe he's now the coach at my uh, law school alma mater. Um, You know, he got, there were people cheating on tests for him because he was struggling to pass his classes, but they didn't want him to be thrown off the basketball team. Mm -hmm. And it's just, uh, I don't know, it's, it seems like (coughs) we just, they construct this. Right this fantasy about how these kids are getting a real great deal because they're going to a wonderful school and uh, they don't have to pay for it. But even if they were getting education, I mean, these schools are making hundreds of millions of dollars off of them. So that's gross. Yeah. Too, the but, fact that you can't pay them like minimum wage yeah. for like 10 hours of work a week is just laughable to me. Um, so that's us and the um, NCAA. So moving on from college basketball to professional basketball. Look at that segue. Nice job. <laughs> we wanted to touch base on the altercation that uh, allegedly happened between Masai Ujiri and an Alameda County Sheriff during game six of the NBA championships that wrapped up in Oakland a few weeks ago. And I'm probably going to start crying any second now, but I will pull it together. Um, so in any event, the Raptors won, you know, players on the court, executives from the Raptors on the court celebrating this really momentous win of theirs. Masai Ujiri attempts to get onto the court to celebrate with his players and his coaches and his staff and allegedly an Alameda County Sheriff and racism ensues, (laughs) (laughs) asks him for his credential. There is, um, there are conflicting accounts of what happened as to whether or not Ujiri showed him a credential, but it wasn't the right one to get on the court or didn't show him a credential, but there was pushing and shoving. Um, some people indicate that the county deputy, the county sheriff, um, the deputy sheriff, sorry, was the one who started because he felt that the showing of the credentials Jerry is a black man and you can get away with that shit in Oakland. I don't know. Well, the fact that he said, like, he showed me his credential in a threatening way. Yes. I was like, what is that? And then he says, he double fist punched me in the head and now I have a concussion. Except, conveniently... The deputy's body cam just stopped working <laughs> at the moment that this interaction took place. And uh, anyway, I cut and, Jen oh, off. And, uh, and an individual, a season ticket holder who was very nearby, said that he did not see uh, Ujuri throwing a punch, double fisted throwing punches at this deputy sheriff. Um, there, yes, Greg Weiner. Yes, Greg Weiner um, said that Ujiri had his credential in his hand when he tried to get on the court. The deputy didn't ask him for the credential and just shoved him, and that Ujiri did push him, him back, back hard. Yes. 
Um, yes. So also said he never saw him hit the deputy in the face. So who knows why the deputy has pain in his jaw and a concussion. And a now. concussion. Um, so the deputy sheriff and um, is thinking about suing Ujiri. Uh, there are there's an investigation pending being conducted by the Oakland City Police. So we're just differentiating between the county sheriff and the city police into what happened. Uh, Ujiri, if this investigation plays out and is found to have battered this police officer, yeah. uh, this county sheriff um, could be seeing like simple battery charges. Apparently, the Oakland police provided still photographs of the incident to the Globe and Mail um, so they could see what happened. And I don't really know, like, it would just be speculation on my part to say what these still photos showed, although I think there are some articles who describe some of the photos, but not all of them. Um, uh, Masayu Jury came out probably within the last two days and basically is like, I didn't do anything wrong, man but I'm going to let this process play out the way it's going to play out and just very like magnanimous approach, even though I'm sure and rightfully so I'd be pissed off. Like this is so ridiculous that, I mean, just stepping back for a second and not even getting into the legal idea issues. But like if you were doing security at Oracle arena that night or any time, wouldn't you say to yourself, okay, this is game six. And there's the potential that the Raptors might win. So let me just familiarize myself with like potentially who could be trying to get on the floor. Because I understand you want to make sure the people are on the floor are credentialed. Because what if a lunatic gets through sure. and someone gets stabbed or hurt or whatever. But wouldn't you say to yourself, like, okay, I just kind of want to make sure I know who the main players are so I don't have this situation happen? Yeah. So Sergeant Ray Kelly which is an unfortunate name um, considering the, isn't that the name of the New York police commissioner as well? He is a Kelly. Is his first name right? Yeah. So Ray Kelly, who is the Alameda County Sheriff's office spokesperson said it's unreasonable to believe, to expect his deputies to know all of these people's faces. Now, why you wouldn't know who the GM of the other, it's not just some rando. Right. Um, but he also has made, Kelly also made the comment when, you know, confronted with the videotape that shows Ujiri has his credential in his hand, says, well, then that just shows that he always had it in his hand and this confrontation could have been avoided. And I'm like, how is that your takeaway from this process? Because my takeaway is the deputy's lying and the guy either, I mean, I shouldn't, maybe shouldn't go that far, but either it was an issue of he didn't have the right credential, which mm -hmm. is the new story that yes. they're saying, like, oh, we had a credential, but it wasn't the right mm -hmm. one to get court access access or yeah the deputy made it up and got feisty with this person and is trying to cover up what he has done wrong Correct. Um, but now there um the globe and mail has reported that oakland police confirmed that uh the sheriff's deputy pushed ujiri first they haven't said that Ujiri didn't push him back, but um, they are. That's consistent with the story that Greg Weiner, the season ticket holder for the Warriors, mm -hmm. would have no reason to be sticking up for Masai Ujiri, um, said. Right. And the story does keep. It does feel like it keeps shifting. Where you know, first he had no credentials, then he didn't have the right credential. Right. First he punched the deputy with both fists, <laughs> like a fucking super villain or something and now it's they were in a shoving match i mean it's i don't know it just feels like why i the alameda county sheriff probably could have handled this a lot better a lot better <laughs> um i'm just sort of curious and i know we're both 
neither medical doctors, although um, we like to pretend we are sometimes. Um, how do you get concussed by just being shoved around? I mean, he's an adult, not an eight-year-old kid whose brains are like much more loose in their heads. Oh, I don't know. We could be making it up. But, yeah. Um, but he's been in the hospital. Wasn't he in the hospital? Was he? I thought he was. Oh. Yeah, um, I mean, anyone can go to a hospital. I guess if, I mean, I don't know. If you, you could be an eggshell, the eggshell plaintiff or sheriff's deputies. Um, I guess if someone hit you in the chest really hard, because that'll happen and then, sometimes like, and your head lash. jerks back. Because yeah. um, I've seen that happen with hockey players. Now, I mean, they're like speeding around the ice and... Mm-hmm. It's a lot of, I, I don't know enough about physics to explain what the reaction is, but if you you can hit someone in like the shoulder or chest and it messes up their, their heads, maybe that's it. Maybe it's not a real injury. Maybe I don't it's know. it's not a real injury. Yes. Not to speculate, but, um, uh, yes, it's but that's what we're doing. Yes. <laughs> um, no, it just, cause it just brings to mind, um, you know, an article I read not that long ago about how Jeremy Lin has constantly asked for his credentials because nobody believes that he's a basketball player, right? Security people at hotels, like he's like, I just got off the bus with the rest of those basketball players. I Who the hell do you think I am? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and that's just really sad that like you can't think outside. I mean, I understand that the deputy probably had a job to do with just to make sure that like authorized personnel were on the court, but. This could have been handled so much differently. Yeah. You would think if he didn't hit him, this probably could have been dealt with. And that's, I mean, I think that's the issue. It's one thing to like have held him up saying like, you don't have the right credential. I can't leave uh, yes, down I'm there. I'm sorry. Can we just maybe have the coach come over and like but vouch for you or whatever? I'm telling you, they were not, nobody would have put hands on Steve Kerr or right. the name or of Joe the Lager. Warriors. Joe GM is escaping me. But yeah, oh, like um, nobody was going to. Oh, on a related note, um, which we didn't have a chance to talk about with white people being assholes, with the owner of the Golden State Warriors hitting Kyle Lowry. And, I mean, I guess thankfully, appropriately, he um, has been fined a significant amount of money um, and is... He was banned. He was banned from the finals. Right. And rumor has it that he's going to be um, told very quietly to sell his shares. Um, So that's a positive development, I guess, but... Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the Alameda County Sheriff, of course, is getting very agitated. This is being made into a race issue. But I just, I, you can't convince me. It's one thing to have said to Masai Jiri, like, hey, man, you don't have the right credentials. We can't let you get down here. Can right. somebody come and vouch for you? Whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and to have, I, I just, I don't think if that had been a white person, they would have hit him in the mm-hmm. first place. Um, or even shoved him. Shoved him, like, yeah. 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 Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I suppose Masai Ujiri probably shouldn't have shoved him back, but nonetheless, I yeah, how was he supposed to react? Like, exactly. Yeah. Um, and this, you know, is even made, like, worse because this is supposed to be probably, like, one of the crowning achievements of his professional career, right? right? And is, is he? No, he's not the only black GM in the NBA, but he's one of a very few. He's Canadian. Like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they don't do this in Canada. <laughs> except... <laughs> So another report from listener Ashish, um, whose office is on the Toronto Raptors parade route. And I, when I asked him about it, he said they were able to watch it. It was so long and people got shot, which was not a thing I thought happened in Canada. So no, apparently. Yeah. So sorry, Canada. Don't take, (laughs) don't, don't, don't follow our lead in terrible behavior. Um, anyway, yeah, that's, 
So it looks like, I guess, the way I understand the crime that they that the sheriff's office would like to charge Ujiri with, it's a misdemeanor battery of a police officer. Mm -hmm. It sounds like if they can prove, regardless of whether it was in response to getting hit first, um, they might still be able to charge Ujiri with the crime, but I don't, I can't imagine they would. I mean, God knows, but it seems like they've embarrassed themselves enough with their constantly changing story. They should probably just let this one go. But I sort of feel like when you back people like that, and I'm going to talk about the Alameda County Sheriff as like a living organism right now, <laughs> but if you back entities like that into a corner, they double down. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, the well, of course he had his. He had the credential in his hands. So we could have just showed it and avoided all this. <laughs> like, no, that's probably not what happened. So I guess that the Oakland uh, Police Department is doing the report, and then we'll make a recommendation based on its findings to the Alameda County DA, who is actually the one pressing charges, not the sheriff's department. And let's just say the Alameda County DA has some issues herself <laughs> uh, of not being able to hold uh, officers accountable for things that they do wrong. So. Um, I'm concerned now that we've talked through this, I am concerned that we'll still charge him, which would be really unfortunate since it seems like he didn't do much of anything wrong. Right. Although, I mean, there might be, again, there's got to be footage of this incident because how many cameras were yeah. on the floor of the arena? Yeah. Like seriously, there's got to be, you can zoom in, debruder it. I don't care, but like someone's going to know what happened. Um, well, it's interesting. So going back to what you had discussed with the sheriff's department, um, sending pictures to the Toronto Globe and Mail. They the said he did that. Well, okay. So the, the, I've got a story from the nation um, that says that it was the SO's office who did it by saying we wanted to show that a crime did occur when people are saying there was no strike to the face when in fact there was, except none of the witnesses have said that there um, was a punch to the face. There is also no video to corroborate these claims. So weird. And then that's when the um, sheriff's office came out and said that Ujiri presented his credentials, but it was in a very threatening way. <laughs> okay. Um, it, this is just coincidence, but like we're moving on to our fourth story that has to deal with like men of color. I don't know how that oh. ended up being. Um, that was certainly not what we intended when we started no. out today. Um, but uh, here we are. So... Um, Kellen Winslow Jr., and I know we've talked about this case um, in previous pods, or at least in one pod previously, uh, at the time that he was arrested for raping a 58-year-old transi transient woman in San Diego. And around the same time, he had exposed himself to an elderly woman who was working in her garden um, and other lewd acts with uh, the 77-year-old. So... That was a while ago. I know we've been off <laughs> off podcast land for a while, but um, a trial was held earlier this month, and Winslow was found guilty of raping that 58-year-old woman um, and exposing himself to a 59-year-old woman in the middle of a spring day while she worked in her garden and making lewd gestures at a 77-year-old woman while she worked out at the gym. The jury remained deadlocked on the remaining eight charges, um, including two counts of rape, so they declared a mistrial, and his new trial, I think, is going to be scheduled for the fall. Right, and he is staying in, as I understand, he tried to get released from prison pending the um, next trial, but uh, yeah, that's the not happening. court has determined that he will stay in prison. Um, 
after pending the retrial on the charges that they had a uh, deadlock jury on. Um, I mean, that, like, fair enough, those victims also deserve justice, but I guess I'm curious as to whether that's a great use of public resources since he's already going to jail for the most severe crimes. Well, the well I guess there are two, two rape, rape charges, charges that yeah. are still outstanding. Right. Yeah. So um, I did not read this piece in Sports Illustrated, but I guess there was one recently um, written by Robert Klemko who reported that Winslow repeatedly watched pornography during team meetings and was known as being a, quote, compulsive masturbator and pornography enthusiast. What unquote. the fuck? <laughs> Yeah. God. Ugh. So, um, yeah, so I think, so he did not testify in, I his, mean. in his defense at <laughs> trial. Um, all of the women who were victims of his um, horrific behavior did testify. Uh, his legal team's um, position throughout was none of their stories were ever the same when they told it. Uh, they were just after him for his money, um, and basically, like, they are just in it for themselves. Although, like, what 77-year-old woman working out of the gym is like, that's Cullen Winslow. <laughs> or what 58-year-old yeah. homeless woman is like, I'm a huge fan of Cullen Winslow. I know yeah. exactly. It's, that's, I mean, he is, I, I could not have picked him out, like, in a grouping of just no. random pictures of dudes and he had i mean for whatever it's worth he during his career he had shaved head now he has let his hair grow in that's a difference i don't know mm -hmm. uh yeah this whole uh it just feels like he went out and picked a bunch of vulnerable people who wouldn't be believed right much like that horrible former college football player police officer in oklahoma who raped right. like 12 women of color um, on the, and I, I believe in that case, he made comments to them. Like no one's ever going to believe you. Right. Uh, Daniel Holtzclaw. Mm-hmm. Monster. Um, so that's, yeah. Yes. And I mean. I don't know what else to say about that. <laughs> I was going to say, I didn't read the, the transcript of the hearing and I didn't really follow it that closely on a, on a day to day basis, but I'm assuming that prosecutors would have expert witnesses testify about how victims of sexual assault like you know what they can remember and what they don't remember varies wildly depending on the circumstances because like parts of your brain shut down because of what's happening to you um you know things like that so i'm sure that that the idea that kellen winslow's defense attorney would say like oh you know their story's inconsistent that isn't yeah, or, you know, one of the people he, one of the women he allegedly attacked was passed out at a house party. So, mm -hmm. of course, knowing what uh, I think anyone who's been paying attention knows about the way at least the American justice system works uh, with respect to sexual assault. Right. Oh, well, she had it coming. That's you know? right. She was asking for it. Right. What, isn't it her fault for not staying awake and aware of her surroundings? Yes. Um, and so what's interesting as part of that um, Robert Klemko story, he interviewed um, a woman by the name of Rachel Rachel Lovell, who is a senior research associate at Case Western Reserve University's um, Begun Center for Violence Prevention Research and Education. Um, Case Western Reserve is in Cleveland. She talks about the, among other things, the backlog of rape kits 
particularly in her home county of um, Cuyahoga County in Ohio, uh, which is the leader in backlogged rape kits, a really infamous uh, honor, I guess. Um, in any event, that a lot of times uh, prosecutors won't bother testing rape kits if they don't think the victim would stand up to cross-examination in a trial, which is really upsetting and disappointing um, since uh, kind of, I don't know, nobody is asking for something having, getting sexually assaulted or raped. Um, and the fact that the justice system won't stand up for them is gross. Um, not quite an endorsement, but to the extent that this is a uh, disturbing story for any of you all listening, there is a project set up by Mariska Hargitay, famous for playing uh, Detective Olivia Benson, <laughs> on Law & Order SVU called End the Backlog, and you can donate to them, um, and then they use those funds to help cover the cost of getting uh, backlog rape kits tested so that people can get justice um, that has been denied to them for so long. Uh, so on that note, hopefully the uh, remaining victims, uh, alleged victims, excuse me, of Kellen Winslow um, will, you know, get another day in court. And um, I guess if the charges are a little more focused, maybe the jury will um, have a better ability to come to a conclusion one way or the other. Right. Yeah. Hmm. But yeah, that's, I mean, when other dudes are saying they don't want to be your roommate because you watch so much porn and are masturbating openly, like that's, yeah. Something's not right there. Something definitely wrong with that. Um, not to like shame people's behavior, but this seems to have gone to an extreme that is um, uh, uh, bothering other people, which is not great. So. No. <laughs> um, moving on to our three-minute warning, I will let you pick whoever you want to start with. Um, so I guess we can start with the more breaking news, which is involves... Um, everybody's favorite problematic white lady, Taylor Swift. Uh, I think there's probably other people who have taken on the mantle of the most problematic white lady. I mean, sure. That's probably true. Ta in this case, though, I've, I feel a little sympathy for Taylor, which is why I wanted to talk about it. So as um, you know, anyone who's followed her career knows she's been around since she was 15 years old. She was a really prolific songwriter. Um, she, for most of her early career, most of her career, worked with um, a company called uh, Big Machine, the record label called Big Machine. I, for some reason, thought she had an ownership interest in it. Apparently, she didn't. Long story short is that at some point, once she... This is kind of similar, I think, in some ways to the Zion Williamson situation where, like, she started off in a place with not a lot of power, and then she got power and was having a challenging time trying to take her power back yeah, from when she was right. younger. So she signed a deal with Big Machine when she was a teenager. They had ownership rights over all of her songs. She wanted to get those back because they were super valuable. Um, check out the whole story of Michael Jackson buying the Beatles catalog to understand the value of owning like a catalog of songs. That was a long time ago, too. Yes. So the owner of Big Machine, a guy by the name of Scott Borchetta, not Porchetta, <laughs> <laughs> told her, well, if you sign a long-term deal with us, I will give you the rights to one of your old albums for every new album you put out. Yes. Which she was just like, F this. She figured what he was going to do is sell the label anyway, and then she would have no idea who she was going to be working with. And so she um, stopped working with Big Machine and went to work with Universal Music Group. So 
So she left behind her her the ownership rights to her songs. I think she had hoped that at some point she might be able to get them later, uh, which is sort of what her comments indicate about recent developments, which are that um, a guy by the name of Scooter Braun, who <laughs> is famous for being kind of a trashy manager for people like Ariana Grande and Justin Bieber, um, through, uh, I think, a private equity group that he works for or owns, purchased Big Machine for $300 million, and now he owns all of her old songs. Um, she has explained this is her worst nightmare, um, referring to Braun subjecting her to incessant and manipulative bullying over the years. Um, she Taylor Swift alleges that he orchestrated the recording of her phone call with Kanye West, mm -hmm. in which Kim Kardashian asserts that she agreed to allow Kanye to use the words, I made that bitch famous in his song Famous. Um, for anyone who has watched the video, you will notice they never actually talk about the actual lyrics in the song. And according to Taylor Swift, she never got, um, she never heard the song before it was released, which is not to say that she handled that situation particularly well, but nonetheless, um, surreptitious recording sucks for everybody. Right. And is illegal in California, right. FYI. Um, and that then Scooter Braun got Justin Bieber to like mock her on social media. Um, so anyway, uh, real bummer for her. She basically uh, has said, you know, her hope had been that she would be able to purchase her masters at some point. Um, that option was never given to her because Taylor Swift may very well have $300 million she could use to buy this company That's up. Right. Um, and so her, um, her comments, which I thought were um, particularly poignant, um, when I left my masters in Scott's hands, I made peace with the fact that eventually he would sell them. Never in my worst nightmares did I imagine the buyer would be Scooter. Anytime Scott Borchetta has heard the words Scooter Braun escape my lips, it was when I was either crying or trying not to. He knew what he was doing. They both did. Controlling a woman who didn't want to be associated with them in perpetuity. <laughs> that means forever. <laughs> Sorry. Thanks but, for the clarification. I mean, maybe some of her fans don't know what perpetuity means, but yeah, it's, um, that sucks. I mean, her, uh, whatever, say whatever you want about Taylor Swift is like a person. Um, her, she's a great songwriter and that was pretty remarkable. The thing she was able to do as a kid, um, mm -hmm. and to now have that under the control of a guy who, um, at best is just kind of a gross weirdo at worst, um, is taking some pleasure in being able to, control this and control right. her legacy is unfortunate, but I'm sure she will, she'll be all right. And I guess, I think that I just might have a different perspective on human nature. Like $300 million is a lot of money to pay to be petty. Yeah. Right. I don't, I mean, and I don't know yeah. how much Scooter Braun is worth. And if this is something that it like, this is, this is something that he can't afford to be petty about. I mean, not to say that her catalog won't, isn't worth a lot of money. I mean, I'm sure that it is, but it just seems like there could be other other factors at play other than making her life even more miserable. Right. But I don't know. I mean, I don't exist in that rarefied air where everything is always about me. Like, so... Yeah, I think that's probably true. Um, and maybe Borchetta wasn't considering the... Also, he might have not given shit because she left his right, label. Exactly. So whatever. Um, Braun has issued a statement in response to all of this, uh, <coughs> 
saying, the idea of Scott and I working together is nothing new. We've been talking about it since the beginning of our friendship. I reached out to him when I saw an opportunity and after many conversations realized our visions were aligned. He's built a brilliant company full of iconic songs and artists. Who wouldn't want to be a part of that? By joining together, we will create more opportunities for artists than ever before by giving them support and tools to go after whatever dreams they wish to pursue. Now, I think that is an awfully Pollyanna view of what I'm sure Braun and Borchetta plan to do with this label. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, nonetheless, I think you're probably right. I'm sure he didn't spend $300 million just to like poke at her, poke at Taylor Swift. Yeah. Um, but you know, it would be a great show of goodwill if this label has so many iconic artists, give her a chance to buy her songs back. Right. Um, and put this whole thing to rest. Right. Cause I can't imagine that like Rihanna would have a manager who is that despicable of a human being. Right. I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Just she's not really doing music anymore, though. So. No, she's living in London, having quite the life. Right. She's uh, working for Louis Vuitton. Right. So, <laughs> moving to our last story, Burke. Um, I defer to you. So, since I'm so sad now. Um. So, last story for the day is um, Castor Semenya, who is a um, woman from South Africa. She is a tremendous track star. She won, I think it was two gold medals in the Rio Olympics. Um, her best race is the 800 meters. Um, she happens to have a very high testosterone level as compared to, I guess, like baseline women. Um, the people have asserted that she is intersex. Um, meaning that I, well, I'll be honest, I'm not, probably shouldn't go into the scientific <laughs> definition of intersex, yes, but not doctors. <laughs> yeah. Um, but long story short, there are people who are using that, um, that, uh, diagnosis that has not been made by a medical doctor to be clear, um, to assert that she basically shouldn't be competing as a woman, um, or that she most recently, the, um, international track and field body has said that she needs to start taking, I think, uh, testosterone suppressing drugs right. to, um, uh, I guess, uh, lessen her so-called competitive advantage in, Oh, which is bullshit. I'm saying so-called because it's this is ridiculous, um, in my view. Anyway, <laughs> so uh, casters. There are women who or people who are concerned about the integrity of female athletics, who I'm sure don't give a damn about women in any other context, um, who've said it's basically not fair for Castor Semenya with her tremendous genetic advantages to be competing against regular women. And so they want her to take these drugs to suppress testosterone, which will um, make her, I guess, a less good athlete, which seems ridiculous on a variety of levels. Um, not the least of which is that many athletes, elite athletes have genetic advantages that the rest of us don't. Michael Phelps has incredibly long arms and giant feet right. uh, that basically make him, they're like flippers. No one is saying that he shouldn't be able to compete. There is a skier who has, um, the way that his red blood cells process oxygen, it makes him uh, better able to compete in endurance races. No one is suggesting that he needs to be taking some kind of drug to prevent that from going on. I also think that it's interesting that the um, IAAF, who is that international... Not the IAFF, right? <laughs> the International Body Re uh, Regulating Track and Field, basically saying that only 
athletes in Semenya's yes. position who race the 400, the 800, and the 1200 meters yeah. have to take essentially birth control because that would, would lower yeah. testosterone. Um, because that feels like it's just targeting her. Yes. It's not like all athletes who run all track and field events have to do this. No, it's just literally these three events. Um, and apparently in court papers, they have tried to identify her as biologically mm -hmm. male, which mm -hmm. is real fucked up. Yeah. Um, she is never identified as anything other than a woman. Mm -hmm. Um, and it seems to me like we should be following her lead on what she, how she identifies herself. Um, it's also, I think, indicative of, and I'm not a like critical race theorist or anything, but it seems indicative of the way that black women athletes have been treated um, as another example, uh, have been treated as like not normal, um, I guess, to be kind. Uh, right. Like Serena Williams, people are constantly making comments about how muscular her body is, that like she's not like other women. She's apparently been drug tested almost four times as much as mm -hmm. her uh, fellow competitors. Skinnier, non-giant butt counterparts. Right. Yes. And although it's fascinating when you see her standing next to, like seeing Serena by herself, she looks like super, I mean, she looks very she muscular. Looks she looks But then you see her standing next to a normal person. And you're like, well, she still looks kind of athletic, but the way, I don't know, the way the photos, sometimes the pictures, I remember seeing a picture of her standing on her own and you're like, oh wow, she looks super athletic. Then there's a photo of her standing next to Naomi um, Osaka. Osaka. They looked kind of the same. Naomi Osaka's taller than she is. And it's, I just, I feel like the media puts out a well, view of Serena as an athlete. But that's because it's yeah. not Naomi Osaka that she's standing next to when they freak out. It's Maria Sharapova, sure. who probably is the size of a twig. That's fair. right. And yeah. then when you look at her standing next to Serena, you're like, oh, hey, but they play the same sport. Why are Serena's, like, you know, basically her glutes and her quads, like, basically yeah. the size of Maria Sharapova's trunk? It's like, well, people come in all different shapes and sizes, man. Yeah. Um, anyway... I oh sorry. Oh yes, no. You were so say something. so essentially, they came out with the decision that like in order for Semenya to compete, she would have to start taking uh, hormone therapy to lower her testosterone. She appealed, and then I think the Swiss like court for sports basically said, okay, whatever regulations you were going to implement mm -hmm. are now on hold. Is that the last thing that I, I read? So. Okay. Um, apparently so the medication can, also so makes her compete. sick. Oh. Yes. And she has been competing um, and winning just as right. she should. Uh, but that's kind of the weird thing. Like, even if you look at a, her history of racing wins, she has come in first in a lot of instances, but she's also won a lot of silvers and bronzes. Yeah. So I'm kind of like, well, if she has this amazing competitive advantage, wouldn't she kick your ass she, every single time she went out there? I know. They act like she's like friggin' Usain Bolt in a wig or something, which is offensive. That's probably an offensive analogy. Sorry. But like, yeah, I mean, she's not destroying her competition to the point where we should be questioning, in, in my view, where we should be questioning the results of her races. Um, or assuming that she is like interfering with the integrity of female athletics. Um, and not for nothing, there are, um, so as a hockey fan, I have followed women's hockey and there are some, um, I believe there are trans men who play, who've played in the women's hockey league. Yeah, um, yeah. And so these are people who are taking, uh, who are injecting themselves or somehow ingesting uh, additional testosterone and like they're good. 
they're not crushing the competition again. So to make this assumption that <clears throat> simply based on one hormone marker, mm -hmm. that's how you decide who's a man, who's a woman, um, it just seems not supported by the results or, or appropriate for science lots or of other medicine. reasons. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, I uh, wanted to share that because I think Castor Semenya is a wonderful athlete. She's been put through a lot. I hope she continues to uh, stay strong, keep fighting, and keep winning. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I suspect we'll be seeing her at the Summer Olympics next year. Yes. I'm undoubtedly. Although, you know, she's getting on and she's 28. Isn't that pretty old for a runner? Um, maybe. Maybe next time will be her last run. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that's our three-minute warning, and that is the conclusion of all the topics we had to talk about today. Uh, the sad breaking news is yes. that it appears that Kevin Durant is going to sign with the Brooklyn Nets. Um, yeah. I'm very sad that he's leaving. He basically walked away for a lot less money because he could have signed a Supermax with the Warriors to stay. But part of me is like, I understand he needs to go somewhere else, but he's going to go to the Brooklyn Nets with Kyrie Irving. I know. We've got, now the Celtics have Kemba. <laughs> I don't know if that's a great idea, but I'm not sure we were going to do very well with Kyrie, so uh, Kyrie, just <coughs> Kyrie like, flat earth Irving. Yeah. yeah, he just seems like a problematic dude, so I, for Kevin Durant's sake, I hope he knows what he's getting into. That sounds really like patronizing, but you know, he's got to put up with all of Kyrie's bullshit now. <laughs> yeah, it didn't go great for the Celtics, that's nope. for sure, um, although I can't blame Kyrie entirely for um, this season's debacle. Uh, no, but you know that it's there's something um, there's something not great when you know when the Celtics are winning more games with Kyrie out than they are winning with him in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I so. think we're losing Al Hor Al Horford is yeah. going to leave too. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> yep. He um, declined his player option, so he became a free agent. Uh, I don't know where the last time I the rumor had him going. They said something like he might be coming to the Kings. Oh. So, but that's just NBA Twitter running rampant. Like, NBA Twitter's on fire today, so as nice. you'd expect. It sounds like uh, Damian Lillard is staying with the Blazers. Yeah, the Knicks are the biggest losers in all of this because, Ugh. you know, because Kyrie and KD are choosing to go to the Brooklyn Nets, not to oh. uh, play for the Knicks, who is a storied franchise led by... Well, terrible, terrible owner. Yes, a terrible, terrible owner. Um, so anyways, that's that. It looks like uh, Jimmy Butler's probably signing with the Heat. Um, and, uh, well, the Warriors will get Clay back. So um, and if anyone is having a bad day, just look for the video of Jimmy Butler tipping <laughs> over in a canoe. Um, he was fine, so it's funny to laugh at him thinking he was going to drown in about three inches of water. Yes. Uh, there's also, bringing this back to one of our stories, a mashup of him screaming and Taylor Swift singing her song Trouble. That's right. Which is wonderful. The sound that comes out of Jimmy Butler's mouth when he thinks he's about to drown is probably just, it's just it just brings me joy every time I hear it. Uh, and if we were more tech savvy, we could add it into, we could add that sound yeah. effect to the end of our, our pod, but... Alas, we can't do that. We barely got it together to have a pod today, yeah. so you're not getting anything beyond the uh, the 
legal acumen that we bring to the table. Um, so hopefully this will um, get some aggressive listeners off our back. But um, we appreciate but we appreciate the listening and the pressure to um, come back and record. If you um, ever want to chat with us, you can feel free to shoot us an email at underfurtherreview.bg at gmail.com. We can also reach us on Instagram or Twitter at UFR underscore BG. And I can't remember our website address at the moment. So um, I don't know. Google it. It's I think it's underfurtherreview-bg.com. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as you can tell, we don't keep up with that particularly well since we can barely record a podcast, but, right. uh, you know, feel free to try to reach out or via WhatsApp if you have our personal information. So. Um, and let's see. So we won't be recording for the next couple of weeks. So Anesh, please don't check. Sheesh. Ashish, sorry. Ashish, please don't, please don't check on a daily basis. Um, because... Burke's got some summer holiday plans, and um, and so do I. So we probably won't be back until like maybe August or the very end of July, probably August, right? I think we might be able to record between Fourth of July and when I go to Canada to investigate the Masai Ujiri case myself. <laughs> That's right. Justice, <laughs> yeah. justice from Masai. That's right. <laughs> Um, okay, well, we'll check on that, and uh, we'll definitely let you know if that's the case, so you're, um, no one's waited, waiting with bated breath. But we'll try to get back to you as soon as we can. All right. Like a voicemail. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to you all soon. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Bye.